0: Whenever Peter appears in the gospel, my ears perk up uh, for obvious reasons. And frequently enough, I come away asking myself why I ever asked for the name of someone who is so often an embarrassment. But I'm not the only person who is strangely attracted by the character of St. Peter. What is it about him? Perhaps many of us have the experience of being the embarrassment at some point, are we not all the disciple, each of us, who leaps into action or speaks without thinking? Am I not the one who tries to talk sense into someone who obviously knows more than I do? Am I not the one who lets down even my closest friends, who needs encouragement and forgiveness? And it's worth noting in all of this that it is not any of the cautious disciples, the ones we never see making any mistakes... Uh, that Jesus appoints as the rock. Rather, it's this well-meaning but weak, overconfident, and impulsive man. Today's story about Peter bears an uncanny resemblance to another story that appears at the end of John's Gospel, just before Peter makes his threefold confession of love to our Lord. In both of these stories, the Galilean fishermen are plying their trade on the Sea of Galilee, but without result. And in both of them, Jesus appears and instructs them to cast their nets one more time. And this results in a miraculous catch. And in both stories, there's, there are more parallels, both stories have a mysterious theme of Peter's sinfulness and Jesus' mercy toward him. The major difference between the two, and it's an interesting one, is that today's story happens at the beginning of our Lord's earthly ministry, right, so we're just in the fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time, we're just getting started with uh, Luke's Gospel. But the other story, as I mentioned, happens at the end of John's Gospel, even after the resurrection, so they're at the two opposite points. But I'd like to dwell on another subtle connection between the two episodes. Both involve ascending of Peter. So today's is obvious. Jesus is going to have him catching men from now on. He's going to be one of Jesus' own followers in spite of his sinfulness. In John's Gospel, though, we should remember that uh, there's this long dialogue between our Lord and Peter after the disciple whom Jesus loves recognizes him, and that there's also ascending. Peter is going to feed the sheep. After the resurrection, the Church is to go into the world and with Peter as the touchstone of unity, share the good news that fear, sin, hate, and death have been destroyed, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, there are two prerequisites for us believers who are going to be sent at the end of Mass today to to take up this task. There are two prerequisites for us. The first one is an acknowledgment of our own failings, our own brokenness, and so on. These, of course, are not an obstacle to God unless they remain unacknowledged in us. We we will fail to cooperate properly if we can't own the truth about ourselves. But all we need to do is lay these faults at the Lord's feet. It doesn't necessarily require lots of breast beating or anything like that, as I'll, I'll mention later on. The second prerequisite, though, is to do whatever the Lord tells us. This means not relying on our own efforts. So as long as the fishermen were fishing without the Lord, all night they were out there with no results. And it seems apropos, as we look around the church at this particular moment in history, uh, and all the many difficulties we're facing, Should we not admit at some level we haven't been fishing according to the Christ's instructions? Whatever that means. Because when we act according to his wishes, the catch is overflowing. And this is, again, I I don't mean to suggest that there are no cultural factors involved in this with our struggles to live out the gospel and to reach out to others. Nor am I saying this as a way of inducing guilt for any of you or myself, because you're not doing things right or whatever it is, the gospel is going to meet with opposition and rejection, so we have to start with that. It will even be beset by scandal, our Lord tells us that, and this is with grave consequences for those by whom scandal comes. So our present situation is one that calls for repentance and faith, but there's something else as well, and so let's go back to the gospel Peter is an expert fisherman, you know, he knows what he's doing. These guys who are out on the Sea of Galilee, they do this all day, every day, if anyone knows where the fish are going to be, it's going to be Peter, and Andrew, and James, and John. So when Peter kind of resists our Lord's instructions, uh, you know, you can kind of understand it. Here's a guy who's a carpenter, I'm sure he knows lots about carpentry, but what about fishing? seems to be overstepping his bounds a little bit. And so we can see that the miraculous catch, we can look at it as just that, miraculous. God intervenes, the laws of nature are suspended, and uh, an attentive fisherman would have had no chance under those circumstances without God's intervention. Or we could read it in another way. As I have pointed out uh, repeatedly to our oblates, The word that St. John uses in his gospel for the miracles is actually the word sign. So the catch of fish is a sign. And here is what I'd like to propose it means. Even what appears to be secular work, fishing, even in those areas where we feel most expert, and therefore perhaps least in need of miraculous intervention, least in need of God's help, When we toil alone, we toil all night and don't catch a thing. But in any line of work, whatever we're doing, when we do it at the Lord's command and with gratitude for his help, when we respond to Christ's word, receive it into our hearts, especially in those places where we're most likely to forget about Christ's presence, we bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. And again, this doesn't mean that Peter's expertise in fishing is worthless. But even this expertise is a gift from God. If, if he is good at fishing, it's because God has made fishing something that you can learn about, something that's reasonable, something that an attentive person can learn to enjoy and do well. God has set up the world this way. So where in my life do I tend to to rely on myself rather than on God, to trust my own expertise, my own charisma, my own goodness? Is it possible that it is just these places where I exclude God from my life and I forget he's there, forget to say thank you? Is it not also possible that it is in just these places where we might be most fruitful in bringing others to Christ once we start to remember his presence in these situations? And the great thing about this is we don't have to learn any new skills other than repentance. And again, that's only for a moment. Jesus doesn't linger on Peter's lack of faith. He simply bids him to stand up, join me. It's okay. And just as at Mass today, we began by acknowledging our sins, and then we encounter the risen Christ who touches us in the Holy Eucharist. We're sent forth, just like Peter, after the resurrection, perhaps right back to our line of work. But it is no longer our work alone that we do. It's Christ's work. It's Christ at work in our work. Christ alive in us. And in everything we do, may we learn to respond with Peter, at your command, O Lord, I will lower the nets.